Well, how many were here last week uh, for our missionary Ken Crucker? Wasn't that an incredible message of God uh, just intercepting, uh, going through the space and time to speak to us personally? When um, Pastor Ken uh, Crucker talked about at the end, he felt like he had a word for us, that we were a powder keg of potential that's what we are, that we're sitting on incredible potential and all we got to do is light it. Well, let me just say, I about came out of my seat, okay? And uh, I was so excited about that. And I just believe that that was laying some groundwork for what we're going to talk about tonight in regards to staffing, in regards to our future building. In tonight's annual business meeting, uh, you're not going to want to miss it. I want to encourage you to, do, to come out, make it a priority, and uh, to be a part of that. Be praying with us, like Deb said, and uh, that will be awesome. But today, uh, we you know we bring in missionaries. But today, we're back on track in First Corinthians. How many enjoying going line by line through First Corinthians? Yeah, it's been awesome. I've been preaching line by line, and we're going to continue all throughout the month. I'm going to Africa. I'll be here next Sunday morning. And we're going to have a prayer commissioning time for, uh, for Alexandria Wigan. She's leaving for Africa the same day. This is kind of cool how this works. I'm pretty sure, we haven't confirmed this 100%, but she leaves out of Grand Rapids around noon. So she'll be here first service. We'll pray for her. And then I leave out of Detroit um, at about, um, oh, uh, what? Yeah, about 5.30. Yep, about 5.30. And I think we're on the same flight out of Detroit going to Amsterdam for all those hours. And then she goes to uh, Malawi and we'll go to Kenya. But it's pretty cool. But anyway, next week is going to be a commissioning service. And our youth are actually going to be doing a drama uh, next week that they've been working hard. And uh, that is going to be incredible as well. But today, um, I want you to know that my expectation is that we're going to continue to grow deeper in God's word this month, even while the pastor's away. Now, I've heard it said that when the pastor's away, the people will play. But I need your right hand up. No, I'm just kidding. I will not miss, right? And I encourage you, you're not going to want to miss these next couple weeks as we continue through 1 Corinthians. And I believe that not only are we going to grow deeper in God's word, we're going to continue to grow this month by faith numerically. We have tracked for six months in a row straight the average attendance when it's added up and then divided out by those weeks. For the last six months, we've been stronger each and every month. And I believe March is going to be the seventh month of that, but we need you guys to participate in that. And just one other thing, if you have missed any of the services in our First Corinthians series, you can get right up to speed online, and those are posted on Tuesdays, and these videos are posted as well. And uh, maybe we can get a little, you know, uh, what do they call that when a, a video just goes crazy, goes viral? Maybe, maybe my video will go viral. I highly doubt it. So anyway, but you can check those out online. That's kind of fun. All right. All right. So today we're continuing in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Can I remind us that Paul's goal in writing to the Corinthian church is to build up the Christian community in Corinth. 
And Paul continues his direct confrontation between the church and himself on their stance of wisdom, right? This human wisdom versus godly wisdom. And he's continuing this frontal attack against division, describing who primarily is responsible for it in the church. And again, this has been an incredible series so far. So the focus two weeks ago, before we, uh, when we started chapter three, was on division. And we said that division is a deadly disease. It can stunt the growth of a church. It can stunt the growth of a family, of a marriage, of kids, of a business. Division is toxic. And we said that one of the causes of that, in fact, the the primary cause is found in chapter 3, verse 1, when Paul says, look, I wanted to address you as spiritual, but I was unable to do so. That word spiritual, um, pneumaticus, means to be controlled by the Spirit. Controlled by the Spirit. And if we're not controlled by the Spirit, that will cause division in our lives. We said there's symptoms to be seen, jealousy, which is a condition of the heart, quarreling, which is action. And they were arguing in particular about the different styles of leaders that were in the Corinth church. But there was a cure that we talked about last time. And that if we can recognize each and every one of our roles in the kingdom of God, that our roles are to be servants. That word is diakony, which means that we are to be like busboys, to be servants of all. It's not about personalities. It's not about the messenger. What it's about is about the power of the Holy Spirit. It's God at work inside of us. And we see that picture kind of come to uh, fruition in chapter 3, verse 9, where we ended last time. For we, that's us, that's everyone together, that's a picture of unity. We are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. Church, what's that saying is that we are the church. We're built on God, and we are on God's team, and everything belongs to him. Now, Satan understands this, and it's his job and his priority. He would love to come in and to divide us. He would love to do that, but the goal for us is to be spiritual, to be controlled by the Spirit. You say, well, why is that so important? Number one, it will avoid division, which we talked about last time. But there's another reason that we need to be controlled by the Spirit. We're going to see that as we continue from verses 9 through 15. And that is because we are all, everyone say all, we are all going to be evaluated or judged at some point in our lives. Either the Lord will take us and will pass and spend, you know, head into eternity through natural causes, or the Lord will return for us, we're going to see here in a minute, and, uh, and we'll be caught up in heaven, and we will have to give an account. And that's what we're going to see here. I want you to turn, well, you should already be there, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I want you to stand to honor God's Word. If you don't have a copy of God's Word, you can grab, uh, we've got Bibles on the back table, and uh, so you can follow along. I'm reading out of the NIV. Um, I know many of you use other versions, but listen, we're going to start in verse 9, which is kind of a repeat of last week, but there's a 
tie there that I think is important for us to read. And we'll end in verse 15 and pray. Let's listen to this. For we are God's fellow workers. We are God's field, God's building. That's a transitional statement heading into this idea that, of this foundation. Listen, but by God or by the grace God has given me, I, Paul, laid a foundation as an expert builder and someone else is building on it. But each one should be careful how he builds for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Christ Jesus. Verse 12, if any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stone, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is because the day will, be, will bring it to light. It'll be revealed by fire and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. And we're going to talk about that. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved but only as one escaping through the flames. Let's pray. Lord, your word is incredibly powerful. It is life to us. Lord, we want to grow. We want to know you better. We want to hear from you this morning. And so, God, we just welcome you to speak. Lord, use my words to pierce the hearts of each one here and help us, Lord, to be prepared to respond to you. Lord, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You can be seated. So I was thinking about it. According to God's word, Old Testament and New Testament, every single one of us will be evaluated. And we're going to be evaluated by Jesus Christ according to the passage that we just read. You cannot escape it. You can't outrun God. You can't hide from God. But the question is, is what will that evaluation look like? And it's awesome when you really dig into the New Testament in particular and look at the evaluation that there's always a reward or award or rewards. In fact, 76 times in the New Testament, that word or that root word is used. Someday we will stand before the Lord to be evaluated for our time, for the ministry that we've been a part of, our motives, and maybe a few other things. And our rewards will be based on that evaluation. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 22. This is Jesus talking. He says, behold, I am coming soon. So we said, uh, I said in my prayer that whether we, uh, whether we are, um, or maybe before my prayer, uh, whether we're, you know, pass on this side of eternity, we get sick, we die, we get, grow old, we die, or the Lord is coming. Either way, it says, behold, Jesus says, the Lord, I am coming soon. And he says, my reward is with me and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. So by what we've done, we will be evaluated and there will be a reward. Turn with me to uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. This is Paul writing to Timothy. This is at the end of his life. He's about to be executed for his faith. 
2 Timothy chapter 4, he says this, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith, but this is what I want you to see in verse 8. It says, now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, and that's what we need to see Jesus as, is the judge, right? He will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to those or all who have longed for his appearing. The Lord, he's coming, or there will be a day of judgment, and we will be evaluated accordingly. Another verse, uh, Second Chronicles, or I'm sorry, Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, says this, for we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That word there is the word bema. It's a raised platform with steps kind of going up to where the judge would sit. It says, for we must all appear before this judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive what is due to him for the things that he's done while in the body. One more verse that is, uh, that is highlighted in the New Testament. There's about 76 of them, but I want to give you a, a sampling. Romans chapter 14, verse 10 says, For we all, again, say all, everybody. For we all stand, we all will stand before God's judgment seat. That same word, bema there. In verse 12, so then each of us will give an account of himself to God. So we know that this is coming. We know we're going to be judged. We're going to be evaluated. But the question is, is what will this look like? And can we just be honest that we all know people and maybe there's even some here today or maybe you are like this, that this reality found in scripture scares the living daylights out of us, right? That one day, The idea, at least in my mind, traditionally, was that everything I've ever said, everything that I've ever done, good and bad, is going to be replayed in front of Jesus. It's me exposed in front of everybody. But you know what? As I dug a little deeper, as I study God's word in its context, I'm not sure that's what this is talking about. See, this judgment, this replaying of all the bad that we've done, I don't think that is what is going to happen. Because God, when he forgives us, we know that the word says that he forgets. He takes our sin as far as the east is from the west. Amen? He forgives us our past sin, our present sin, and any sin that may be coming, our future sin. And he covers it all. So this idea of judgment that there's going to be this account of our bad, I don't see it like that. Instead, I'm wondering, I'm curious, I'm saying the Lord, what he will do when you stand like on 2 Corinthians 5.10 in the judgment seat, this raised platform, the Lord will be looking at your service to him and he will render an evaluation of your life. So, this platform, this raised step, it's almost like an Olympic podium. I want you to imagine this judgment seat. It's really a place of dignity and prominence. 
It's a place of honor. You can actually go online and, and uh, type in Judgment Seat uh, or uh, Bema if you want, and it'll pop up and you can see a picture. But it's not a judgment in terms of penalty, but a place where every believer will stand and be evaluated. Turn with me to one more place. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5. Listen to what it says. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait for the Lord to come. He will bring light what is, on what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of man's heart. At that time, each will receive his praise, or that word can be rewards as well, will receive his rewards from God. And that is what will happen. We will stand before the Lord, Jesus as the evaluator. You and I will stand face to face with Christ. And that is a reality that is quite interesting and challenging for each and every one of us to get our minds around. As we look at these verses in 10 through 15, I think the highlight really is found in verse 10, where it says, each one to be careful. But I want to read verse 10 as we begin to look at this. It says, by God, by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder and someone else is building on it. But each one should be careful how he builds. If you hear one thing or if you got one thing you want to write down, each one be careful how you are building. But in that verse, we see this, uh, this tie, that word expert builder, is, uh, that came from the same root word, Sophia, which we get wisdom. There's a tie between that whole thought of godly wisdom versus man's wisdom. And uh, Paul does a beautiful job connecting that. But what we see here is that Paul says, look, I was an expert builder. That the, the idea there is that he not only drew the plans, but he also built the building. Not just a planner, but a builder. But then I think the crux here is that be careful how you are building. I can't help this, but uh, I was able to watch the Lego movie two times in the last couple weeks. Once with my daughter, took her out on a date, in fact, the day before Valentine's, so it was about a month ago, and, uh, and my son was livid. He's like, you did what? And so I had to take my son, and so I was able to watch. But it's funny, the Lego movie, and if you've ever played with Legos, if you don't take step-by-step instructions, you're not, not going to be able to put together what is on the box, what the picture shows. Am I right? Now, so a master builder knows how to take it from step by step by step. And that's what Paul's saying. He's saying, look, I'm a master builder. I'm, you know, I'm good with Legos is what he's saying, I think. And uh, I don't, you can't really confirm that uh, in Scripture, but um, that's my interpretation. And, uh, and I see that. And he's saying, look, I'm an expert builder, but so, and someone else is building on that. But what Paul does not take for granted. He does not say, you know, I was the one that dug the footings. I'm the one that caught, that laid the foundation. He said, no, look at verse 11. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one that's already laid, which is Jesus Christ. He's saying, don't forget that Jesus is the foundation. It's not your ethics that you're standing on or your morality 
or your humanitarian effort. It's Jesus Christ. By the way, it's not your conscience or your mindset, this open mindset that you're building on. No, Paul is saying, look, I'm the contractor, but Jesus is the foundation. Just like we sang this morning, the cornerstone song, God is the one that we can stand on. He is our rock. He is our foundation. But the question is, as we continue to look in verse 12, is what kind of building are you going to build? What are you building? If you're a part of God's family, a part of God's kingdom, you are building, whether you know it or not. And either you're picking things like steel and concrete and bricks or straw or sticks or limbs and you're making a lean-to. See, we can choose the materials of what with what we will build with. And we see that in verse 12. Look at what it says. Uh, actually, let's, um, yeah, if anyone builds on a, this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, what we see here are six different things identified, but really it can be boiled down to two different things, really. The idea of the gold, silver, and stone, those things are things that will not burn, will not rot, they're hard to find, they're very costly. On the other hand, there's that other wood, hay, straw. They're plentiful. They're easy to find. They don't cost a lot, right? But we're all building buildings. And the question is, what kind of quality of material are you using? I believe there are quality materials. Things like when you bring a high spiritual value to the things that you do or you're digging deep in God's word, or you're living in integrity and in purity and humility, or if you're self-sacrificing or good-spirited or selfless or servant-hearted, or you have the right motives and you do it all for the glory of God, those materials are like steel or concrete or bricks or gold, silver, and stones. They're solid, they're quality, they're expensive. But on the other hand, you could build with less of a quality, with less value, being self-serving, unwilling to do things, uh, serving with the wrong motive, perhaps, jealous, bad attitude, competition, division, or pride. And those materials are going to be less. They're easier, they're quick, but they're not quality. And the choice is not what will you build or not. You are going to build. And you're going to build by the way that you live and serve. And you can know what you're building and what kind of materials you're building with. Now, there are some that are building on the side of less quality. Okay, can we just be honest here for a moment? And I, I don't, I don't want to step on anyone's toes, but they come to church late and I'm not looking at anybody, and they leave early. No one's leaving early today, I'm sure, <laughs> after that. But they come to church for what they can get or how it feels. They seldom will serve. They never share Christ. They're not willing to sacrifice. If you put it in a box, it's all about them and what they need and what they're doing. 
I want you to get this picture. They've got the foundation of Christ, but they're building a mud hut on top of what Jesus has laid. Jesus is the foundation, but they're building a shack on top of it. And it's tragic. There's others, though, that will build out of God's love with all their heart. They understand that Jesus paid it all, that Jesus is the foundation. They're guarding their heart. They're growing in character, not serving to please man, but because they love Jesus, they are servants, uh, and they're building on that same foundation. There's not a difference in the foundation, but they're building a fortress that's solid and strong that will stand the test of time. And the reality is that at some point in our lives, we will have this evaluation. And I want to encourage you right now to think about maybe the last week or the last month or maybe the last year of your life. Were you willing to serve? Were you willing to share Christ? Were you willing to stand up and say, you know, I'm going to build with some quality and I really want us to examine our hearts this morning. If you were to look at your house, your building, is your house more like a straw hut or a house built with bricks? And I can't help it but think of the three little pigs. I don't know about you. I know it's going through your mind. You know, the, the, the pigs, they had choices. You know, some of them, they made, you know, some of them made it out of straw. Others, by the end, they're in the, in the fortress with the bricks. And it, the fact the wolf is coming and huff and puff and blow the house down. I don't think, I don't think Jesus is the wolf, okay? You know, but, but at some point, we will be tested. And maybe you've built a straw hut. You're maybe a mud hut, but with a gold door knocker. You're saying, oh, remember that one time when I served. You remember that one thing that I did or said. It's, you know what that would be like? And I've, I mean, you've seen it. It just drives me crazy. But, you know, you see an old jalopy car, you know, a car that's falling apart, going down the street. And, the, you know, and, but what, what, what do you see? Expensive rims. You know, that the rims are worth twice or three times what the whole car is worth. You've seen it, I know. And, you know, I mean, that is just silly. It's ridiculous. And uh, it doesn't make sense to me, right? But that's what our lives are like sometimes. We're driving down the road, and, and it, it's not a pretty picture. But we're saying, hey, check out our rims, right? Or check out this one part of our life. And we try to highlight that. Well, listen. The truth is, is when the Lord returns, he will classify your construction. He will examine your building. And you will be on the bema, on the judgment seat. And look what verse 13 says. I love this. Verse 13. Well, let's start in verse 12 again. If any man builds a foundation using gold, silver, costly stone, wood, hay, straw, verse 13, his work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed by fire and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If that doesn't challenge you, I don't know what will. It'll be you and Jesus. And we're not talking about if you're going to make it to heaven or not. But 
You'll be tested by the quality of your work, what you have done, and why you did what you did. And I love the analogy there. I think it's perfect that there will be fire because fire consumes, doesn't it? It reveals impurity. It's a picture of holiness and discernment. And that evaluation will be strong. It'll be directed right towards each and every one of us. You can't escape it. Look what verse 14 says. It says, if he has built, what he has built survives. All right, so that's one option. He will receive his reward. It's a beautiful picture. But what you got to see here is that only what is of eternal value will survive. Everything else is going to burn. What will survive? The time that you sacrificed? The time that you chose to be holy versus worldly? The time that you said yes to God? The time you said no to the world? The times that you were uh, convinced, uh, you're saying, boy, I need to serve, and you die to self, and you serve? And what's so cool about God is that even if no one else noticed the time that you took a meal or the time you visited or the time you picked up the phone to encourage or sent an email or the time that you, you taught a class or the money that you gave, even if no one else saw it, no one else recognized it, God saw it all. You were building, and those were quality materials. Those things will last. It's a beautiful picture, a parallel to Luke chapter 19. We're not going to take the time to look at it, but verses 11 through 27. This is a great story. We talked about it at our men's breakfast a couple weeks ago. The story of the 10 minus and uh, the talents and uh, that each of these servants were given, and then they had a day of evaluation. The, the owner wanted an account for what he had given them. And the same idea, you read it later, Luke 19, the same idea applies for you and for me. We need, we will give an account. We will be like an Olympian. You will stand on the podium, on the Bema, and you'll give an account. And what's cool is you will get a crown. You'll get a crown. My wife, it's funny, when she was growing up in her uh, high school, uh, her junior high and high school pastor, uh, uh, Pastor Phil, his wife, uh, Lisa, would tell Jessica, and it would kind of drive her crazy, uh, but she would say, you know, Jessica, you know, I need you to serve here. And Jessica, I mean, being the typical teenager that she was, probably didn't always want to, right? Yep, yep. And, uh, and but her, her youth pastor's wife would say, Jesse, <laughs> that's what they called you. Jesse, you're going to get another jewel in your crown. And I remember that when I met you. And I remember, we tell that to our kids now. <laughs> but it's true. We will stand and we're going to be on that podium like an Olympian. And we're either going to be one star or two star or three star or four star generals, right? And what's great is that the ability for us to glorify Jesus on this side of eternity will be rewarded forever. When we give of ourselves for God's glory on this side of eternity, our rewards are eternal. We are getting jewels in our crown. Now, this is the truth. Heaven will be wonderful 
for anyone that makes it. The thief on the cross, okay, they, yeah, his last breath says, oh God, remember me when you get to paradise. And Jesus says, I'm going to remember you, right? I mean, it, heaven is going to be incredible for him. But there's something different because heaven will not be the same for each of us. The Bible describes that there will be rewards, there will be crowns, and we want to be master builders, don't we? I love it. But there's something tragic. Verse 15, not everyone is building out of quality. In fact, in verse 15, we're going to see a careless builder. Look what it says. It says, if it is burned up, what was built, he will suffer loss. There are many believers that when they get in front of Jesus, they will suffer a whole lot of loss. What they thought was important will all be burned and gone. And I'll tell you, they, they, there will be significant loss. He himself will be saved, okay? We're not talking about salvation here. But only as one escaping the flames. But what happens is that there will be loss. There will be this careless builder will be saved, but will have no or very little reward. So, you could have looked good. You could have, on the outside, had it all together. And no one even knew, really, what you were building, what kind of quality you were, uh, had, what your motives were in the process. And when you're tested, you get burned up. No reward, consumed by fire. And what happens with fire? You could have a huge stack of wood, and uh, I mean, it's fun. I love fire. And, uh, you know, if you, I mean, you, you know, you have a ginormous stack of wood, and you start the little flame, and you start adding one piece at a time, and what happens? All that wood ends up as ashes. There's essentially nothing left, saved, but empty-handed. You understand what that's saying? Our reward will be based on our evaluation, which is based on our, the quality of our workmanship. Two outcomes I see. One is there's one, when the fire comes, when God's eyes are on us, when we're standing there, we'll either be unharmed and undamaged or we will be consumed. What will your reward look like? I think it's a fair question. I think it's a hard question. But maybe you've heard about the guy that made it uh, to the pearly gates and he's standing in front of St. Peter. And uh, St. Peter says, have you done anything of merit? And the guy kind of puffs out his chest and he says, oh, yeah, there was this one time that these bikers were threatening to steal from this lady. And I went over and I pushed over their motorcycle. I walked up to him. I grabbed his ear and it ripped it out of his ear. I threw an overhand punch and I said, you leave her alone. St. Peter kind of impressed said, wow, when did this happen? And he said, just a minute ago. <laughs> he was getting his reward, right? But there's a serious, <laughs> my daughter, oh, thanks. <laughs> there's a seriousness, though. What kind of building are you building? 
See, you can have the right materials, and if so, we're saying, come, Lord, quickly, right? right? But if we're building with the wrong materials, your life will go up in smoke. So back to verse 10, be careful how you're building. Brendan, I'm going to ask that you come as we kind of wrap up. What's interesting is that depending on what part of the world you live in, let's just take the United States, for example, there are different building codes for different parts of the world, uh, different requirements, specific materials because of climate and weather. Uh, we live in Michigan, thank the Lord. I mean, how many are thankful for living in Michigan? Isn't it great? <laughs> yeah, but we have to have a different snow load on our roof, a different insulation factor, right, when you build. Well, that really riled them up. <laughs> Let's try that again. How many are thankful for living in Michigan? Yeah. All right, that was horrible. All right. But if we lived in Florida, which I know no one would be interested in that, right? Then, then you're thinking hurricanes, right? Hurricane clips at every joint and every window. My parents live in Florida. They have hurricane shutters. Uh, and what a pain. I mean, to have to... Uh, I mean, who would want to live there, right? Or California, even worse. South California, you, you have to be, when you build, you have to be careful of earthquakes and so their construction is different. I mean, who would want to live there, right? Michigan, yeah. A friend of mine, Jonathan Decoux, I was looking at his notes on 1 Corinthians when he preached through a while back. Um, he said something that I, I want to quote my friend. He says, we need to know what to build into our lives to face the circumstances and conditions of our lives. I thought, boy, that's really insightful. You think about it. If you're a husband or if you're a wife, you have responsibilities as a spouse, things that you need to be building with quality, can I say, because of your roles. As a mom or a dad, there are roles and there are building that needs to happen because of that. There are lots of students here, lots of kids. And uh, to be godly children, you need to have certain things in your life as a Christ follower or hearing and honoring, uh, being an honorable uh, employee or a boss. Either way, there are certain qualities, there are certain things that you can be building into your lives even a student with integrity and character. And what these building codes are important, and we need to bring those into our circumstances depending on where we are in our life. And I want to encourage us today to take a look, saying, all right, how am I building? What kind of building am I building? And I want to remind you that the church in Corinth, the current leaders that got this letter, the current workers, according to Paul, according to what we're reading here, were not going to stand the fiery test of time. What Paul is saying here, and this would have been painful for them to hear. They're saying, look, your life is going to go up in smoke. Yes, you're going to be saved, but there's nothing to show for it by what you're building. That's a strong word. And what's interesting, the church in Corinth is so much like the American church. So many churches, yeah, they're built on Christ, but what they're building on top of that foundation is weak. And many will not stand the 
test of the fire. And can I just say there are marriages that won't stand the test of fire because of what you're building. Students won't make it. Employees as an employee in every area of our life. And you say, well, yeah, but as long as we look good, right? Well, that's what the problem in Corinth was. Status was everything. That's why they were bickering over uh, who, you know, who was following Paul, who was following Apollos. Remember, it was all about status. It was all about looking good. And in the American church, and I, can I say even here at times, it can all be about what it looks like on the outside. But when the evaluation comes, only God will test. And I'm afraid that there are some here that have the foundation, but you're building. When it's consumed by fire, there'll be nothing left. That concerns me. I want you to turn to one more place, 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. I already read verse 5, but I want to start in verse 4. Listen to what Paul says. And you guys are going to get to this while I'm in Africa, by the way. It says, my conscience is clear but that does not make me innocent. Just let that sink in for a second. That's pretty interesting. It is the Lord who judges me. This is huge. It is not Ben Vey, your pastor, that is going to judge you. It's not my responsibility. Thank the Lord. It's not your spouse that will be the judge over you. For those of you that have kids here and students, it's not your parents that will be the judge. It's the Lord. Very important. It is the Lord who judges me. Verse 5, therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait till the Lord comes and listen to what the Lord does when he judges. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of man's heart. And at that time, each will receive his praise, his reward from God. This is unescapable. You will be exposed. There will be a light shown on your life. And the quality of what you are building, remember, you don't have a choice. Everyone is building what you are building, will it last or will it be consumed? I want everyone to bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. I want to talk to those that maybe found yourself here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You've never given your heart to the Lord or maybe you're away from God and you say, man, I need to get my life right with God. And even though this is not really a salvation message, uh, you know, you need that cornerstone, Jesus, as your rock. And if, you, if that's not the case for you this morning, would you just be honest and raise your hand? I want to pray with you. I'm not going to embarrass you. But who this morning, like the young girl this morning, yeah, thank you, sir. Who else this morning saying, boy, that's me. I need Jesus. I need that rock. I need that cornerstone. Anyone else? Anyone else this morning? Say, man, if I were to die today, I don't know for sure if I would make it to heaven. 
because I don't know if Jesus is in my life. Anyone else? Saying, boy, that's where I am today. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Wow. Wow. You can put your hand down. It's incredible. God's grace is so incredible, church. so thankful to be able to do what I get to do. What a privilege. There were two that raised their hand. Can we support them? And would you pray this miracle prayer? We know it's not the words of this prayer that will save you, but it's the uh, believing in your heart. But would you pray this together? Say, Dear Heavenly Father, please forgive me for all my sins. Cleanse my heart. Make it clean. I believe that you died on the cross and that you rose from the grave and you made it possible for me to live forever with you. Come into my life. I'll serve you forever. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I want to talk with you guys before you leave, those that raised your hand. Uh, but... I want to talk to everyone here for a moment. I really believe the Lord wants to speak uh, to us today. I think that like the Corinthians, that this word may be a shocker to some of you today. Or like the light bulb has gone on, or that there's been some revelation through God's word. Not because of who I am, but in the challenge, I believe, is that we have God's word so we can examine our lives according to God's standard. Am I right? And I, I'm just curious how many this morning would say, man, as I examine my life, I want to live my life. I want to build with quality materials, things that are going to last. And if that's you, I just want you to stand right where you are. I'm just that simple. If you're saying, that's where I am today. I want to live my life. I want to build with quality materials. And then I'm going to ask you to do one more thing. And I know this is uncomfortable for some, but I just really believe this is a powerful moment for you to step out from where you are. And I want you to come forward. And we're going to sing the song about Jesus being the cornerstone of our lives, okay? But I want us to do that together and take this step together and say, you know what, God, I'm making a public confession by my motion that I want to live with quality building materials. Just move as you come and why don't you lead us?